My fellow Americans, we welcome you to Behind the Message. Both hosts have agreed to segments that will be uninterrupted. No, nope. no, no, not gonna, not gonna happen. Mm -mm. <laughs> hey, church family. I've cured COVID. <laughs> <laughs> hey, church family. Welcome to the first week of. I'm October. back. And Daniel had a You've great. You've missed me. Daniel has and I've watched the debate, and I've learned how to talk over people. So, church family, welcome to Behind the Message. In case you missed the debate this week, we got you caught up. We got it. <laughs> All right, so after that intro, Daniel, um, welcome back. Um, yeah. Hope you had a nice little birthday week. We missed you. Um, Jeremy was super excited. Last I'm week. now the same age as old people. <laughs> I think you just called me old, but we'll move on from that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this week, fantastic message. Mike's going to be here in a little bit to kind of recap it for us, but what got you out of the message this week? Yeah, it, it was really good, and, was and I thought, um, you know, we sometimes we do a section like what, what was new, and maybe we yeah. can talk through some of that. I don't know that there's a lot in that that was, that was new, but there's a reminder that I forget, and that's that giving is my blessing. Yeah. Um, Everything is conditioned, and Mike mentioned that. He talked about the worldview, all the commercials, all the advertisements. Everything that conditions me to think of all the things I want, all the mm -hmm. things I get, all the things I take, but it does not condition me to think as a giver. Right. And God's Word, and really experience, has now clearly shown me in my life that giving is the blessing. Mm. But I need to be reminded. Yeah. I just need to be reminded of that because at the end of the day, I'm bombarded by all that other stuff. Yeah. And so as much as I know it to be true, mm -hmm. I just subtly fade into that lie. Yeah. And to be reminded that giving is a blessing and to seek it as such, to pursue it as such, that's just a great reminder. So I love that. That was yeah. good. Kind of worked on me. What about you? Yeah. Well, and mine was right along the same lines when Mike used that phrase that we're always being discipled. Yeah. And that we are being discipled by the world constantly, just like you said. I mean, we are being told every day it is better to get, it is better to get, and then to keep what we get and to hang on to that. And that was just a powerful message to me that um, a real way to examine our, our own hearts is that a heart transfixed on Christ will be a heart that will desire to give. And um, that was a that was a huge reminder to me because the world tells us otherwise, just like you said. So it was good. It was a great and reminder. And I'm not naturally generous either. I mean, I, I'm, I'm an only child. I'm a taker. You know, I had like, uh, growing up, I lived with my grandmother. She like, you know, like, I don't, I don't, like, I didn't wash clothes. I didn't do, the other things were just done for me. And so I was like, the world serves me. And then I found out that's not true. And then you got married. And then I got married. And Amy helped you with and that. And Amy, Amy has helped me with that. <laughs> Amy, but even to that end, Amy is, Amy's a giver. She's generous. Yeah. She's a servant's heart. So a lot of those types of things, even in just the way we interact with one another, it's a great truth to be reminded yeah. of the blessing of giving and that it's for our benefit. God doesn't need those things. Yeah. It's for our good. Yeah. So if you believe Romans 8, 28, then you believe giving, this thing he has called us to, leads us to. Is for our it's for good. Us. Yeah. That's cool. That's really good. So Mike's going to come, and we got the sermon recap um, coming up. So I don't know. I don't are know. You, are you? I'm ready. Going to do it? Okay. But wait. But okay. So the, and we needed to talk about this. Last <laughs> week I wasn't here, and I listened in, and what you and Jeremy did um, was below the bar. Well, it was off sync. It was rough. I mean. 
and, and I appreciate that criticism. Um, I too felt that. Jeremy felt like me just welcoming Mike on was not enough and he really wanted to try to outdo you. So we kind of split it down the middle and both of us welcomed simultaneously. So I'll admit it was a little, it was a little haphazard, but you be you, you go for it. Mike Lord, come on down. See, that's my measured response to your over-the-top intro, <laughs> which was pretty good for a 40-year-old, by the way. Hey, you know. <laughs> good job. All right, so i got to be honest, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it's some of my favorite yeah. uh, texts of Scripture just to read through, study through, and the, the privilege to be able to teach through is really exciting for me personally. So I think overall question to start with is, has, if the gospel has transformed us at all, it's going to transform the way we see giving, finances, money, every area of our life, we're going to be transformed. And you see that played out in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. So Jesus says, back in the gospels, actually it's in Acts 20, it is better or more blessed to give than to receive. And we talked about it a little bit, that is so countercultural. That's not how we're discipled by the world we're in. We're discipled continually by the kajillions of commercials and all that goes into our hearts that know it's really better to get, keep, hold on, all about me. The gospel in Christ says, nope, that's completely reversed to the way my kingdom operates. It's better to give than to receive. So Paul is teaching that to the Corinthians. He's going to use the model of giving from the Macedonians. That's the Philippians and the Thessalonians and the Bereans that from these churches who were in extreme poverty, uh, extreme difficult times, they became the model of generosity and generous giving. That's gospel transformation. Only the Spirit of God inside of someone can make that a reality. So he walks through their examples of giving in 2 Corinthians 8, talks about how they gave uh, as they could. They even gave beyond what they were able. And Paul said, they even exceeded my expectation in the way they gave, which is just such a challenge. And then beyond that, which I think is the big truth that kind of all of it pivots on, is Paul makes that statement in verse 9 about the reality is here, here's what motivates our giving ultimately. It's actually chapter uh, 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. that though he were rich, yet he became poor for our sakes, that through his poverty we might become rich and all the lavish spiritual blessings that have been poured out upon us through Christ's self-denial, incarnation and all that. And that's really a, a gospel motivating factor for our giving is the transformation of the gospel of Christ, of who he is, what he has done. So that was the big truth is that because Jesus gave himself, we generously give. And then Paul walks through some basic handles of what that looks like. We, we give regardless of circumstances. You see that modeled by the Macedonians. We give proportionally. Uh, we give sacrificially. We give willingly. And all that, that list, those handles that were there, we give impactfully. As we give, uh, we want to see kingdom impact through our giving. As we give through our local church primarily, we give worshipfully. I love that where it says they had first given themselves to the Lord and then to this act of grace. We give systematically. It's not to be haphazard. There's to be a plan in how we're going to give. And it works into our holistic budget planning for our family and us as individuals. And then finally, I love the way he ended chapter 9. It went back to God is the ultimate giver. God is able. 
So the last uh, big idea for us was we give trusting our all-sufficient, abundantly gracious God who is able. He is able to make all sufficiency abound to us so that in everything we have everything we need so that we can be even more generous. That's this picture of the lavish sufficiency of God. Just a great place to end. So incredible challenge, I think, for all of us to press on, continue uh, in this grace of sacrificial giving. I love that implication. In, you, I thought you did a great job tying that in, but we give worshipfully. Mm. You know, you go back into Matthew, you go back into Matthew 6, and you have their fasting and prayer. Remember, the Lord's Prayer is in there. And it's all these instructions, but the context of all that is worship. And one of those examples is giving. Mm. It's at the heart of it. And so even when we talk about the cheerful giver that's mm. mentioned there in Second mm. Corinthians, there is this understanding, not of like, I just give and just I'm happy about it. It's, it there's a bigger implication than that. There is a faith and a recognition that all that is good belongs to him. Mm -hmm. I'm saturated with that. It's the same understanding in Romans 8 that has us acknowledge we are joint heirs with Christ. You are heirs to the, with the Son of God to all of those things. And so if it's all yours, yeah. why are you trying to hoard it? And so what it really becomes is an act of worship, an act of faith, because you recognize as a child of God through Christ, it's all yours anyway. Mm -hmm. And so you're living this life of faith, this life of worship, rather than this life of uh, self-sufficiency mm -hmm. or this illusion. I thought you did a great job with that. That was really cool. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. The question. So we talked about giving. So all of us have kind of been in church for a long time and been in ministry for a long time. And so we've heard these things again and again and again. Let's, let's, let's talk about what's new to me, you know, that, that section that we come to here. What's new to me? So maybe you're going through that sermon, and maybe it's not just that sermon. I want to make it a little bit bigger than that. But over the years, what has changed in your understanding and practices around giving? So what's become new to you that might have been different five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago? Kind of kind of chase that a little bit. What, what's your growth in those things look like? For me, it's, it's changed in several ways, and it probably started its biggest change 25 years ago when Mike and I got married. But it's, um, it has become a, a two-sided coin in that it is such a walk of faith, and it's such an act of worship, and it's such an act of complete trust in a sovereign God to um, give when you don't have just as much of a trust walk and an act of worship to give when you have, when you have plenty. Um, so the worship aspect and the trust aspect of that for me has grown. But I think one of the largest aspects for me that has grown, and it's really through Mike's leadership and how he was discipled and how he was trained, is that um, no one gives this way. No one gives accidentally. Like you don't just act, you have to plan and intentionally plan um, to give and to line up your budget that mm -hmm. way, that your budget reflects your priorities. And, um, and Mike has led our family that way. He's leading our children that way now, even as they're beginning to make their own money and um, that plan that way, to organize it that way. And that was a real, um, uh, a new thought for me when we first got married. Um, my family had always given, continues to still give sacrificially, um, but it was it was never thought of at this is just something you do. I never got to see the behind the scenes of, no, you have to plan and prioritize and budget giving 
And that sounded, that almost sounds unspiritual, like it sounds, yeah. but that's really the most spiritual aspect of it is, is planning intentionally yeah. to do that. I, that's, that's a great comment. I, and you, you hit on that. So somehow I think we, we believe that planning and organized uh, discipleship or discipline is not worshipful. That worshipful is more emotional giving in the moment. I saw this video, my heartstrings yeah. were plucked. And maybe there's a part of that. But Paul says, no, it's, it's systematic. Mm -hmm. So the idea that I plan my giving in line with my budget, there's a tendency to think, well, that's not as worshipful as this responsive in the moment. Mm -hmm. Paul says, no, 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 it's systematic. There's a plan. That's just as worshipful as responding in the moment, you know, when you hear yeah. a story or something like that. Yeah. That's the picture of the Bible. It's a systematic yeah giving and that ties right into I guess what I've learned and it's a great question but um, I don't think you can faithfully give generously and live this way apart from wise stewardship in every other area of your life okay. so, and, that's, and that gets lost I think in it that the Bible teaches just as much about saving and stewardship of our other areas so the idea that i do think there's priority to it we honor god first but let's just say we practice the 10 percent tithe which we've talked about that a little bit let's just say that's the model we follow okay i'm going to honor god with 10 percent, but then the other 90 percent, i'm just going to do whatever with as if that doesn't affect my ability to give back to the 10 percent. and especially in this culture what can happen is we can honor with the 10 percent and then go run up this enormous debt on the other side and somehow think that's honoring the lord the point is what I've really learned. Yes, I believe it begins with honoring God first with our finances. But that also means I need to operate within a budget. Mm -hmm. That means I need to manage my debt. That means I need to save well. I need to plan well. Because it's a little bit hypocritical to say, man, I'm really honoring the Lord when I'm continually running up consumer debt on the backside as if mm -hmm. that's almost American Express giving to the Lord, not me. So it's the holistic view I think of our stewardship and finances that has come to play over the last 25 yeah. years in marriage. That, and I was limited to be able to talk about that in one message. That's why I like things like financial peace and things that teach a holistic view. Mm -hmm. Giving is the priority and a significant part of that, but does not operate in isolation to stewardship over the whole. Mm -hmm. I want to come back to the, like the practical example of that wise stewardship and what that looks yeah. like. In just a second, but I want to ask you guys a question because this is a unique opportunity. You got a couple here. <laughs> did did throughout your marriage, mm -hmm. did all did both of you move at the same time, oh, no. or were there times one close. of you was in front of the other one? No, and weren't. for for people who are listening, and maybe one spouse is really wanting to give in this, and the other yeah. one isn't. Yeah, like, what counsel would you say? I think I'm gonna let nice. Jennifer feel no. this question. Yeah, I, I can feel. I feel yeah. like that's a wise thing to do. Mike led out in this area, continues to lead out in this area. I don't like budgets. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm the spender in the family, um, and I don't like budgets. However, that's why we're married, <laughs> because um, he leads our family in um, disciplined, great stewardship, God-honoring stewardship in our family, and I help him enjoy things. So that's what we do, and it's true. It's true. I, I totally agree with that's that. That's right. That's what you say. Uh, no, but we have not always seen eye to eye and left to myself apart from walking with Jesus. Um, we would still not see eye to eye only because my flesh um, 
runs away from uh, financial budget discussions. It just does. It just always has. Every time we sit down and he very lovingly says, hey, babe, let's take just about 20 minutes and let's look at ugh. every time, 25 years, every time. Um, I used to try to do that on date nights. We don't do it on date nights anymore. That's totally unromantic. <laughs> so to your point, you're right. And Thank that, you. that, that often in marriage, there's going to be a pull in different directions. Don't see that as a something to overcome. See that as a gift. And I really mean that, that hopefully I've brought to the table a little bit of, you know, let's try to live within the means that God's given us, but you've at the same time brought, let's, can we enjoy our money too? Because left to myself, I just put it all in the bank. And, you know, it, it, I don't learn to enjoy what God has given us. And First Timothy is very clear. He's given us all things to enjoy. Mm -hmm. So there's that balance in marriage that I think is a neat thing. But there'll be some tension along the way. Sure. And that uh, hopefully that forces you to learn to have good, honest dialogue in marriage when you disagree and be able to deal with things. That's a part of mm -hmm. healthy marriage. But I do anyway. want to say this. Um, the greatest joy that I have, the great joy is a pretty heavy word. The greatest um, enjoyment that I have in um, spending or we go on vacation or whatever we do is when I know it's within the bounds of, when it's within bounds, yeah. within the bounds of our budget, which yeah. I know we've planned for that. Then that kind of budgeting, honoring the Lord first and then honoring Him with stewardship of all of it really does give you the freedom to enjoy within those boundaries, um, what the Lord's given you. There, there is unique gifts within the household dynamic that help us. I mean, I'm more of a strategic giver. Amy will tend to go in the moment. So like Amy will be like, hey, let's, there's this opportunity here, let's do this. And I'm like, well, if you do that, you're not gonna do these things. And so I'm gonna wrestle with the whole, which mm -hmm. makes sense in those, yeah. you know, both of us. Yeah. But there are times where you really should take on those things. And so the tension of that yeah. is helpful. And as we talk about this, I think this is one of those things, this is neutral, but in your marriage, learn how to pursue what is best, what is most wise, uh, and realize that the middle might not always be best or most wise. The easiest solution is to find whatever the middle is between and you feel like there's a compromise. But on occasion, one of you is much more likely to have a more wise or a better option. Figure out how you submit to one another in those things, learn from one another in those things, and get the best option mm -hmm. and not just settle for compromise in the middle. Neat thing. We, we talked about what was new to me. And this is going to sound like I'm, I'm kind of waving the church flag, and I am, but I'm not doing that as a pastor. I'm just doing that as a member or somebody who's a part of a church, which is my, I've learned roles and responsibilities within giving, uh, both personal, church, elders, parachurch. That has unpacked more for me over time. So I could just say as an individual, oh, I'm going to give my 10%, but I'm going to choose every dollar where it goes. So I'm going to control it. In other words, I'm not going to give it through mm -hmm. the church. I'm not going to give through the local church. I'm not going to submit myself to that church's leadership and the wisdom of the plural council of leadership that God has given that church. I could choose to do that. I think that's unfaithful and unwise. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have said that maybe yeah. 15 years ago. Yeah. I would have said giving is giving. Mm -hmm. When you look in the New Testament, they gave through local churches. Yeah, that, right. Those are the examples. Mm -hmm. Are there over and above instances to that? Sure, yeah. there are. But the standard, the beginning point is through the mm -hmm. church and that gains the benefit 
of wise counsel who frankly brings stewardship in ways I might be lacking. Mm -hmm. And so it lets me tap into the mm -hmm. whole. And what that means for me is then I have to be a little trusting too. Mm -hmm. And not trusting of a person, but trusting that in my faithfulness, God will work whatever that is to good. Because we've all given to things, we've all been a part of things where some person has messed that up some yeah. way. That can't be a reason for us not to give that way. And so the roles of myself, the individual, the roles of the community, of the collective church, of how when we give together, we're part of more, yeah. the roles of church leadership and elders to steward that wisely and connect all the gifts of the body to equip the saints for yeah. the work of ministry. And even the role of the parachurch, the organizations that set outside the church, they're not first. And faithful, mm -hmm. well-led parachurch organizations mm -hmm. will always push their people, give mm -hmm. through your church first, That's give right. to these things second. Yeah. Because they won't survive without it. That's right. Yeah. Practically. That's right. Yeah. And so they're connected to that. It's why one of the reasons our partnerships are partnerships that work with the local mm -hmm. church. We mentioned the BCM. Yeah. If you connect with the BCM, you connect with Jonathan Chapman. Jonathan Chapman is a local church yeah. guy first. That's right. And it's one of the reasons we work with him. Mm -hmm. There are other organizations and other parachurch organizations that are on campuses and do things. And the church is maybe a second mm -hmm. thing or maybe a third thing. We're not gonna work with those as mm -hmm. much. Why? Because God has ordained and set up the church to be the mm -hmm. leadership of this. And so our giving flows through that mm -hmm. dynamic. God's really taught me a lot mm -hmm. over the years in that. And it's really given me, I think, a greater blessing, uh, a greater sense of connectivity mm -hmm. uh, to the church. I, I love that thought. Yeah, and that, that's totally ditto for me in the last 25 years, yeah. that seeing the primary place to give for significance and even the advancement of God's program is mm -hmm. through the local church. Mm -hmm. And with that is the tack on where 2 Corinthians teaches, we give individually in the sense of as each one desires in his heart, it mm -hmm. says. So it's an individual decision, yeah. but it's never in isolation. That's right. So it's never without the body of Christ to come around you and help you. And, that, and that's to your point, as you're able to give acts, they laid it at the apostles' feet, in a sense, within the community. Mm -hmm. Giving is a community activity. We do it within the local church. So yes, I make those decisions, but boy, I can be really self-deceived. So it becomes a community activity as we give through our local church. Mm -hmm. Beautiful thing. A great thing that our church has, um, which I kind of researched and, and had some people help me research, is um, if you have uh, questions, if you're struggling to set up a budget, if you're struggling mm -hmm. with resources mm -hmm. on how to steward your household, how to lead your family, how to you're a single and you want to know how to um, best handle your finances, anything, you're in financial trouble and you need yeah. some advisement and some wise counsel on that our church has an amazing resource mm -hmm. and you can go to tcbchurch.org slash deacons um, and there is a link there that you can click on and we're actually going to put that link um, in the notes um, for behind the message so um, our people or anybody that's listening to that will tap in immediately to our stewardship team basically our financial team and they give great advice they point you in the direction of great resources mm -hmm. um, so that's a fabulous thing um, to play into right now, so our church offers that for everybody. Mailbox time. <laughs> it's mailbox time. Is it called mailbox? It's mailbox. Not mailbag. No. It's. I mean, there haven't been mailbags since like 1950, right? Like <laughs> on the Pony Express. Sure. Well, I guess. I guess. I mean, inbox. I don't, you could just call it inbox. Yeah, that would have. See, that's what we should so have. That make more sense. Man. Can we change it now? Because I say mailbag. Behind the message. Time. Question. Inbox. Question. Uh, focus. Focus. All right. How do I navigate the line between wisely managing money for personal needs 
versus sacrificial giving. Uh, too much to one side, I can fall into the ditch of foolishness. Too much to the other side, and I can fall into the ditch of lacking faith or trust. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty good question. I mean, sure. how do you balance making sure um, you provide for yourself and I mean, even the New Testament gives a little bit. I mean, they gave all things yeah. to the church, and they lived in that community, and we, yeah. we, we're not asking our people to necessarily do that. I mean, mm -hmm. what, what, yeah. what does that look like? Uh, so we mentioned it maybe a little bit earlier. That's why Paul teaches, I think, our giving is a decision that we make individually to a point, but never in isolation. And I can't stress that enough. So that's why giving through your local church first is so important is that within that community there's dialogue, there's pushback, there's conversations that go on to help us maintain a degree of balance in that. And the other side of that, again, is that faithful stewardship in the area of giving, I think is impossible without a holistic view of wise stewardship of the whole, of your whole financial picture. Again, the Bible has so much to say about saving and budgeting, if you will, and investing and all of that. So that's why at a local church, there are opportunities, and you mentioned that earlier, even something that our deacons offer to help equip in the area of budgeting, help equip in the area of wise financial planning, and all of that together, I think, helps us be wise in our stewardship. Again, giving, I think, is the priority, but it's never apart from wise stewardship and all these other things, yeah. so they tie together. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add is, um, you cannot walk in wisdom financially. Um, you cannot submit your finances to the Lord and walk in, in stewardship um, if you're not submitting daily your life and your desires. And there's a dailiness to that of your, yeah, your walk right. with the Lord, your dailiness uh, in the Word, your time in the Word. Um, and a huge aspect, and, and you mentioned it, is um, seeking counsel mm -hmm. in that. Um, you know, I'm just thinking like even our, our older sons as they're, they're out and they're on their own. And um, my prayer is they would seek counsel from us. They would seek counsel from others, singles, young marrieds. There's, uh, the church body is given as a resource um, to seek wise counsel. So um, walk daily with the Lord, seek counsel. And then scripture tells us in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all things generously and without reproach mm -hmm. and um, to, to prayerfully seek the Lord. What, what do you want me to do here? Do you want me to um, uh, give over and above what looks like an, an astronomical amount to the church in this area, to this ministry? Um, do I need to save that? Lord, you know what's coming down the road. You know what's coming up. You know what I'm going to need in the future. And um, trusting him to lead you in those areas. But none of that takes place apart from your daily time in the word and apart from your daily yeah. time with him. Um, trying to, to remove one aspect of your life and walk in godliness and wisdom in that one aspect apart from your entire life being placed before the yeah. Lord and the word of God it is impossible. So it, that's That conscience saying. piece, again, when you look in scripture, 10% always seems to be a starting point. We mm -hmm. talk about that. I mentioned in Acts when they held all things in common. That's a description. It almost gives you the other end of that. That's really built into community. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about community and we talk about submitting to others mm -hmm. and, and hearing from others, 
there are programs and structures a part of every community. I know, I know, we don't <laughs> like programs, but that was a program. Yeah. I mean, if you give all your money to the church and then when you have need, you go to the church, they're having to right. put yeah. a strategy That's and a program structure. around how they Somebody's do it. Yeah. It's a structure. Yeah. And so that local church is choosing to operate within that structure. Yeah. We don't operate within that structure in our culture, in our church, in mm -hmm. our setting. And so there's wisdom and wise practices within the community of that. Mm -hmm. Yes, your conscience but work within the structure. And so yeah. we kind of do that. That's again, mapped out a mm -hmm. little bit, uh, but those two things work out really well. Yeah. So anyway, it's kind of a neat example you get yeah. in, the, in, in scripture of a 10% starting point all the way up to a complete, like almost communal type yeah. of a living right. within the local church. And yeah. it shows you the range that can be there. Right, yeah, walking in wisdom. All right, so we got another question. What was our second question? All right, so second question, uh, it was a long question. I'm not gonna read all of it. <laughs> Unpacks a lot of different things, okay? And so in the question, the question kind of builds to the recognition of, to some extent, last days mm -hmm. and the return of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And what does that mean in our everyday life? Mm -hmm. If you remember, we go back a few weeks ago, you'd kind of set us up even resurrection mm -hmm. and as we come through that. And so the question comes down to this, how do you or the church view the issue of Jesus returning and how does that play out in your day-to-day -day life? Yeah. You want to go first? Take that. Yeah, so great question. And I think anytime cultural, the, the culture seems to be more unsteady maybe, that question always begins to rise to the surface a little bit. So maybe that's what's prompted this, I'm not sure. Uh, Bible's clear. We live with the reality that there's going to be a visible, physical return of the Lord Jesus to the earth. Mm -hmm. No question about it. That's an absolute reality. Jesus is coming again. All that surrounds that, uh, there, there's been constant conversation and debate around that. I do think the Bible's written in such a way, <clears throat> and this has been made clear in such a way to Christians for 2,000 years, to live with the imminent reality that it really could be soon. It could be in my lifetime, it could be this week. And that prompts and promotes and spurs us on and. Peter says, gird your mind for action, be sober in spirit, uh, fixing your hope on the revelation of Jesus Christ, meaning our hope is fixed on the reality of what I just said. So our hope has to be fixed in that. Also, Jesus was very clear. I mean, the great teaching in Matthew 24 from the, you know, the Olivet Discourse, it's called, said, look, I'm going to return, but no man knows the day nor hour, <laughs> not even the sun nor the angels in heaven. In his incarnation, somehow, he was not even aware of the return. That boggles my mind. Well, we don't know. We don't know when he's going to return. And then he followed that with a couple parables mm -hmm. that really have been very helpful for me to kind of balance it out. He taught one parable, the faithful steward, that said, okay, you live as if he's here tomorrow. You live as if Jesus is returning tomorrow. How does that change the way we live? It should. Then he teaches the parable of the ten virgins, and they, they got really out there, and the bridegroom delayed. Didn't come when he th they thought he was going to. It was longer than they thought. And Jesus seems to give you those two parables as balancing tensions. It could be tomorrow, but it might not. We don't know. And there's just a balance in that for me personally. Yeah, I love the sense of urgency that comes with just that thought. I mean, when we, you know, you take the Lord's Supper, you remember that's right and you look forward mm -hmm. yeah you know there's the the remember and look forward and the resurrection is the look forward mm -hmm. and so uh, the urgency that's there yeah. so at our church we have this incredible resource called give to go mm -hmm. and 
I, I want to frame something real quick. We tend to um, fall into the trap of prioritizing what we personally experience and therefore the limitations of that. So what does that mean? That would mean in another field, like if your health, if you were sick and you had cancer, uh, you wouldn't go see a specialist that you didn't know. You would instead just ask the most kind of the people around you in your inner circle. And you say, I would never do that. You wouldn't. You would pursue what would give you the greatest chance of healing, of uh, just recovery. And you would work your tail off to maximize every minute to that end. The same should probably be true for us in missions to a degree. Uh, it's easy for us to just give to our friend that we know, uh, to just give to that mission trip we've experienced without giving much thought to how effective that is for advancing the gospel. And so there is a diligence to mission, to maximize every dollar, every minute for the advancement of the gospel locally and around the world. And so what we try to do with give to go at Tri-Cities is merge a little bit of our personal experience while doing a lot of diligence and a lot of work to establish partnerships uh, that are highly efficient in gospel advancing ministry through five key areas. And so Nathan Massey is going to take just a minute on this video and he's going to kind of walk you through give to go, walk you through those areas. And as you hear that, I just want to ask you to listen with an attitude of prayer of what you might sacrificially give through give to go to advance the gospel here and around the world through Tri-Cities Baptist Church. It's a neat resource. Hey, I'm Nathan and welcome to the Go Challenge. So how can we here at Tri-Cities Baptist be a part of advancing the gospel across the world? The answer, give to go So give to go is our mission fund here at Tri-Cities Baptist that we use to advance the gospel across the world. Uh, in Philippians, Paul talks about this uh, as he explains and he writes to that church, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that's Philippians 1, 3, and 5. The church at Philippi played a key role in Paul's ministry. They, they gave sacrificially, they gave uh, generously to his ministry as he expanded the gospel there across the Mediterranean world. And here at TCBC, we can do similar things by giving uh, generously uh, through our fund, give to go. And that advances the gospel not only here, but it advances the gospel across the world. Uh, and so together, we will multiply our capacity to advance the gospel across our five uh, go pursuits. Reach the unreached, plant churches, serve the vulnerable, train leaders, and send disciples. So our challenge here, church, is, is to give, give consistently, give sacrificially, and give generously to give to go to make Jesus known. You can find out more about giving to give to go at tcbchurch.org backslash give to go. Thanks. church family, I want to take this opportunity to just pray scripture over us, um, and we're going to pray through 2 Corinthians 9, verses 11 and 12. So let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you that you leave no part of our lives untouched by you, um, and we praise you that our finances is one, is one of those areas, and 
again. We want to submit to you, to your great glory and to our great freedom, um, the area of finances in our lives. And so, um, Lord, we praise you for your word in this area. And Lord, I just pray now that our church family would be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us would produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. And Lord, may our church be a church that our ministry supplies the needs of the saints and overflows in many words of thanksgiving and praise to you. We love you, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.